Welcome to Young Moja Speaks Podcast with your host, Shalonda. This is a conversation about trauma and how it impacts our personal development journeys, taking accountability, and uncovering how foster care and the relationships that we had or didn't have shape who we are and who we will become. This podcast addressed foster care and the system and how foster youth are underprepared for the transition into adulthood. We provide resources and a community to to discuss the issues with the child welfare system and helping youth make that smooth transition into adulthood to better their life choices and ultimately better their lives. If this podcast interests you, we ask you to join the community at Yamoja Speaks on Instagram as well as Facebook. We are branching out to other social media platforms. And if this resonates with you, we ask to share with any of your networks. Hamjambo, Sijambo Leo. I am doing good this week. And I said that I would... um give you like information of like what I'm paying attention to what happened to me what I'm thinking about and so I have my journal here here and I just wanted to go through some things that um at least happened or that I jot down that was really good that I'm paying attention to so I listen to a lot of podcasts and sometimes it's hard to narrow down which one I should speak about or give reference to But therapy for black girls is one of my faves. And I'm pretty sure that I listened to one of the episodes. I probably should have wrote notes, but I'm going to write my notes as I go back and listen to the episode again. But I want to go in and kind of tell you which one which episodes I think I listened to about three of them I usually listen to them in the morning time because it just helps me kind of relax and think about some things and put into perspective what's going on into the world what's going on with my life so yeah that's what I do and so I think I had discussed or listened to relationships between happiness and minimalism right and so that is what I wanted to discuss so um getting rid of a lot of stuff and this is not just material asset this is also like getting rid of emotional things that you don't need you want to live like this minimalist lifestyle where everything that you own has a reason for being in your life and so Yeah, that episode was definitely something to listen to. So it is um, session 252, Therapy for Black Girls. And I'm going to leave the link in the description box because, you know, Dr. Joy Bradford, her name is like Dr. Joy Harden Bradford. um, She's a psychologist and she just really is inspirational. And the content that she does is definitely in alignment with what I need and so she does like interviews with people and the way that 
she interviewed this woman and talking about um she the the person that she interviewed I have to kind of leave that in the description box as well because I believe her name is yeah her name is Rosetta Truman and she is the founder of Happy Black Woman yes and the way that um Miss Truman explained her lifestyle change was because she wanted to get experiences rather than to gain stuff and she was talking to her family members and what was happening is that there was a disconnect and her family is seeing that she wanted to sell a lot of these big furniture items that she she gained and downsize her house into an apartment and get new roommates and they seen it as a negative thing because generationally if you obtain a lot of stuff then you've made it and for us in a new generation we're trying to scale back on buying as much stuff and gaining as much experience as possible and then living to the fullest extent traveling and meeting people and and the experiences that we gain is so much more enriching to our lives than gaining a whole bunch of stuff. And so she also made the emotional connection with the things that we have as well. And so when you let go of the items and the materials, you're basically letting go of that emotion that that's harboring within you as well. So that was something that I listened to last week and I thought it was phenomenal. So if you want to check that um, episode out, definitely look in the description box. Okay, so we're going to start this episode by explaining the previous episode was about my mom's impact on me. And I, I don't know, maybe I didn't feel like I did a good enough job, but um, I definitely want to go back in and kind of redo or do another episode in the future um to really you know help with her real impact on me both good and bad um but anyways this one is about my dad and how he played a role in like shaping my future shaping who I am today uh both good and bad and so I want to start in my childhood experiences with him so in childhood we're jumping right into it, y'all. So my childhood with him was, from what I remember, from the point that I actually remember is, I used to go over to, okay, prior to that, I guess. I guess that's around the same time. So I used to go over to his house in the summertime. And I just remember that he would always come and pick me up from my house, um, my mom's house, basically, and like take me out to get whatever I needed, Right. And we would just spend quality time together. So summers I would spend with my dad. And at that time of his life, he had a fiance. And I thought that she was lovely. So her name is Miss Pam. And um, they were in a relationship together. And they had bought their house together. And so we moved. I remember they moved. And I wasn't in a process of moving with him. But they we first stayed in like this apartment or something I remember it wasn't really the most safest I don't know like I I just had a bad feeling about it it just didn't look good and they moved in together into a house and I was like oh okay upgrade um and so I felt a lot better like it was more space and I definitely remember that they didn't officially unpack so the times that I did go over there 
I just remember things being covered up. It wasn't really officially unpacked. It wasn't really together um, as of yet, right? And so I had my own room. I had a playroom in the attic. And we also had a computer room with a balcony. And so when I lived with my dad for the summers and on weekends, I felt like this was definitely a relaxing type of environment. So yeah, I thought that it was definitely a relaxing environment, right? I thought that the the two-parent household was good. I see my dad in a different light because I remember us having to take him to work and she would drop him off and kind of pick him up because they had one vehicle and she would take me sometimes out and about and I remember we did different activities like first off she would make sure that I would take my vitamin right so I had a vitamin at her house and then she made sure that I was healthy and so like the dynamic that she brought was like really mothering and nurturing and I, I just can't forget that you know that made a real impact on me so I was like oh okay and then I remember us going to um different things and one particular time that I definitely cannot forget is when we she brought me some breakfast gave me my vitamin I thought that was the nastiest vitamin ever it was very chalky so that's how I remember it and then we went to a line dancing class I thought these were super fun, so I was happy to go with her. And I do remember this one particular time because it was a man that was there, and I felt like he took a uh, sip of my drink. I had orange juice, and at that time, I did not really like orange juice like that, but I see him take a drink of my drink, and I was like, nah, 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 I don't want this no more. So I felt like the dynamic of my childhood relationship with my dad and the way that he was living was cool. And I guess you'll see the dynamic change later on. But yeah, childhood, I was around the family. I was around his family. And so I got to meet my cousins who sometimes would take me to the park and, you know, I don't know, just kind of be, you know, how cousins would be. But they were older than me. So I was a little, little girl and they were um, adolescents and teenagers and, um, I do remember being at a party, but it was only one time. So I got to meet a lot more family members, like around my age, but I do not remember who exactly they were. So he was definitely a family-oriented person, like he liked to be around his family. And at the time, he, he definitely had an idea of what he was doing with his life by going to work. So... When my mom decided to leave uh, the stable housing that we were a part of, things got a little crazy in terms of how it impacted the relationship that I had now with my dad. Because, I mean, if anything, you're moving around, you're not stable. So previous to us moving, it was stable. I, I stayed in one placement. And my dad was there to come pick me up to be actively involved in my life. And I got to go see him. And so 
I got to see the difference between staying with him in this two-parent household with the dog, with the, I was technically the only child at this phase, right? So with the dog in a backyard, the computer uh, room, the playroom in the attic, my own bedroom in a closet full of clothes and shoes and just stuff, right? So it wasn't like I was wanting for anything. I pretty much had it and all I had to do was ask. And then with my mom, I had a host of siblings that I could just bug and fight with and play with and get to know. And um, we did not stay in a house. And so it was a one-parent household over there. But I definitely seen her interacting with people and having relationships and dynamic relationships with other people as well. So I got to see a duality. But I will say for my childhood, looking at my, my dad, there were things that I just did not know. There was not obvious signs. I knew that there were some problems between he and my mom because there was a situation where he took me downtown and get some shoes and my mom basically called him told him something he didn't like it he was upset because he wanted more time to spend with me and that incident whatever it was interrupted that quality time that we were going to spend together I also remember us going to the park and he had like this joyous personality a lot of times so um, he would joke with me as a child. He he like tried to push me off to the you know how a father or a sibling will push you off well not push you technically but like yoke you back and like you're over an edge. He did something like that to me. I definitely remember because I was I was wearing my jelly bean shoes that my mom bought for me because I love these shoes. Like everybody had these jelly beans, right? And I was like, I want some jelly beans. All my friends have jelly beans, but my dad wouldn't buy them because they just want high quality. And so um, I remember that day and I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was funny. Um, And then we just had like inside jokes as the kid. I used to go see my grandmother and um, he would be really actively involved in her life as well. So remember this as a foundation, right? But as I told you that we moved around a lot and so in the mix of me and my family my living with my mom moving around a lot I see my dad less and less and so we weren't in a stable place and therefore I could not see my dad as often as I would have liked and as often as what he wanted that took a toll on how he seen our relationship kind of take a downwards turn that affected him emotionally, I believe. And so um, I'm going to go into adolescence here because those are the memories where I feel like he come back into the picture because I don't remember a lot of time, spending a lot of time and quality time with him during the transition of moving all over the place. Um, and I don't remember really seeing Miss Pam at all either so I can't tell you a lot lot about those years so adolescence when I went into foster care this is the time where I'm like 10 years old right so from being five now 10 those years are crucial right and that time meant that um 
it's past and I did not have the relationship established and like I did earlier, you know, five years old or seven years old and, and younger or eight years old and younger, um, I didn't have that interaction with him anymore. And so it started to dwindle away. And I remember, I remember being in foster care and, um, you know, my first couple of years, I don't remember us having a conversation or interactions. And I know that somehow, I don't know what period of time, but I do know that he went away. He, he got locked up. Let me be transparent as possible. And then I know that he also moved to Lorraine as well to kind of fix himself, get away from things. And so pieces of like when I was in foster care, I knew that he would call, right? A phone call would be a way for us to communicate, but we weren't officially like seeing each other at this time. And so I would get the phone calls. My grandmother, my foster grandmother that I stayed with would be the person that could either give me the phone or protect me from the ways of him. And so, um, I went through phases of my life where I would, I was kind of upset, right? And so I should be upset. I'm, I've lost my family. I lost the dynamic. And then I was slowly at the time losing my mom too. And so he wanted to get custody of me, right? And this is a really big, hard issue to to explain because on my behalf, I'm thinking about, you know, I was with my siblings for this amount of time of my life. I'm used to being around my siblings. We have developed a strong connection, a bond. And depending on what sibling it was, uh, like my brother Steve, we were really close together because we were closer in age and we stayed in the same household together. And so we developed a certain type of relationship us being the youngest, us um, staying in the same household together. And prior to this, we used to hang out together even before we got into foster care. And we used to just do like funny things and we had inside jokes. And so my dad asked the system to give him custody and he was going to work towards getting custody. Mind you, my mom already knew the type of relationship that my brother and I had and how close we were and there were situations what that almost disrupted my placement and my brother Steve was like hey if you move my sister then I too have to go it's no if ands and buts about it if she has to go I have to go too and so that was the dynamic of our relationship where it was like oh no I'm not going to disrupt my placement and my brother's placement because he is doing exceptionally well here and so that made me fix up my attitude because what my brother said that he would do for me. And so uh, my my mom told my dad, get Steve too. Because she's not going to separate from him. She's not going to do it. And so his decision was to say no. And they asked me like, hey, would you like to live with your dad? And I said, no, I will not leave my brother. I'm not going to do it. I'm comfortable here. I have you know, stability here. Um, and when I meant stability, I'm, I'm, mind you, I am 
roughly let's see about 13 12 13 years old and they're asking me decisions about where I want to stay and I'm like I might have been younger than that actually I might have been I might have I had to be younger than that because I lost my mom shortly after that and my mom was alive so I think I might have been between 11 and 12 actually so I was a little bit younger and I was making the decision of if I wanted to go stay with my dad or stay in a placement with my brother and I chose to stay with my brother now that could be emotional right but I did say I'm open to give him a chance and get visitations, you know, because if you go through the process and you get to know me, then we could have made an adjustment. Right. And I could have explained my side, like, I don't want to stay with you because I needed to see what was going on with you first, because in the placement in a home that I was in. I had stability, so I got to go to the same school, and mind you, prior to this, my mom, um, like I said, we moved around a lot, and I think it really affected my educational needs, and um, every school that you go to is a little bit different, and so sometimes you can be advanced and then get put pushed back, and so for me, it was me being advanced and then getting pushed back, and then you know, now I'm like keeping up in my school and I'm excelling, but I'm like, eh, it's okay. And, and of course I'm still getting good grades and stuff, but it was just, I felt more comfortable with staying in the same school system that I could be, if I could, if I had the chance to, right. And so moving with him, I didn't know what that may have looked like. And I was confused because you know, up to this point, it it has never been him being consistent, right? Because I didn't know what was going on with him. I didn't know that he got locked up. I didn't know that he had moved to Lorraine. It was certain things that happened that he was doing for himself and in his life that I had no idea what was going on. And so by the time we came back together and they had posed that question, I thought about my needs and my brother's needs first and so I did um have already I mean have an open like um open I don't know what they call it open uh meetings with him or whatever and we met at the the county building for a visit that very first visit he came demanding and intoxicated and I said hey can we end this visitation I can't do it emotionally for me it was it was definitely draining and hurting like I I was really hurt my feelings were hurt the fact that he just didn't know me hurt my feelings right and the fact that he came intoxicated told me what I needed to know that I made the right decision to stay here in this placement in this home because Number one, yes, they party, but I, did, I, I know what's here. I know what level of protection I have in a foster home, right? With my dad and seeing him in that state, I didn't know what type of protection I would have. I didn't know what type of people I would be around. And as children grow up, I'm like an adolescent right now, so I'm able to think 
you know, for myself and make decisions for myself. And in that moment, I'm thinking about my safety. I'm thinking about the decisions that you've made so far. I'm thinking about inconsistencies that you you say that you're going to do something. So at that point, I chose safety. And so that's going to be a factor in what impacts me emotionally today as well as what emotionally impacts my dad. So that moment of me choosing safety rather than choosing to live with him definitely set the tone for a relationship. But let's move on. Throughout my teenage years, I got into some mess, y'all. So I definitely was getting into trouble, right? And I remember he got the letters uh, that was written up about me. They explained what I was doing. And then he would call me up trying to discipline. Like, you know, that ship sailed already. Like, I'm a teenage girl at this point. You really can't tell me anything. Like, if you wanted to establish yourself as an authority, that should have been established when I was a little girl, right? You can't walk into a teenage girl or a boy life and be like, I'm your father, I'm this mother of yours. Like, where were you when I need the, these parenting lessons to be learned in, you know, toddler stage or early, early years before teenager stage? Like, come on. You know, if you, if you understand, you know. Like, it's like, I needed guidance before this. I needed structure before this phase of my life. Now... I'm taking what I got. And, you know, at that phase, like, I wasn't a terrible kid, right? So I definitely still got good grades. It was just that after school, there was not much to do. So I was like, yo, I'm going to steal from the store. It's like I I told y'all before, right? Just to start some mess. And it, it wasn't because I needed to do so. It was more so because if I got caught, there was no real consequences. And then... It made them write up their review about my behavior, right? And so I knew that he would get a copy and then people would sit around a table and talk about me, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it was a way to manipulate and control certain things in my life because they they stopped me before and they were like, yo, why do you got $50 in your purse? Like you got money on you and you refuse to buy stuff. Like, what is it? And, um... Like I said, I got allowance, so I was definitely in a privileged state. It was just that, I don't know, it was just thrill of it. And so he called me to discipline and be like, you don't need to want for nothing. And I was like, I I don't. She gives me an allowance. You know, my grandmother here has it where we're set up, you know. And for me, it's good because if you give me an allowance, I know that I'm going to make it last. I'm definitely going to let this stretch, right? But... I didn't need for anything. It was just the need for attention. That was it. And so he would try to call in discipline, but it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't going to work. Right. And so at that phase, let's fast forward a little bit more. Um, He used to come up to my school to give me some money and I would be like, oh, I'm so appreciative. Or one time he was going to get me a phone, but it came with stipulations and I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm off of that. But emotionally, I was affected by it because I had seen my dad uh, through the eyes of my child lenses. So me seeing and interacting with my dad after those years passed 
and having only the memories of like my childhood where I see him well throughout like my life and my early life together and well put together at that right and then later in my teenage years he was a disaster to me like it was so bad like the the drastic change just affected me emotionally because I wanted him to show up for me I wanted him to show up as I wanted not as he was and I think that that was the problem and so it affected me emotionally um, but I was still connected and wanting a relationship with him so I was like trying to understand like what does that look like right what will happen what what do I need to do what do he need to do and so um after I graduated from high school I went out to college my first year um of college I wasn't really talking to him as much I went out to college I wasn't really talking to too many people anyways but um I remember us coming back in contact with each other because I had moved into my very first apartment and I was super happy. Y'all, I was super excited because I had some things that was going on and I just made some really bad decisions like to live with someone before I was ready to live with someone. And then I got into my own place and I was like, oh, this is awesome, you know, but my first step was getting the place and I got it and then my second step was allowing him to come stay with me wrong 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 so he didn't officially stay with me at that time for a very long time because like I said he was in and out of jail and I remember I this phase of my life I was journaling and I remember just kind of going through, sitting on my bed and just journaling and, you know, looking up. I was doing some homework. I journaled some more. I I didn't have a TV, y'all. I had tucked my TV. I think I had a TV. I just didn't watch it. So it wasn't really plugged up and all of that other stuff. So I I had it. I just didn't watch it. So I'm like going through my day and just kind of thinking, being reflective and all. And I just fell asleep. I I just knew that he didn't show up. I was like, okay, he ain't coming to the house or nothing. Uh, what's going on? And so I started calling. And then I found out that he had went to jail. And emotionally for me, like I keep going back to because it always takes an emotional toll on us, right? I'm like, man, I'm bothered. I am really, it, you are locked up. You committed this. You did this. But I'm bothered emotionally because I'm thinking in my mind, you know, as a young 18-year-old girl, um, I'm thinking that this is the time for us to start a relationship and really understand each other and to develop what was lost amongst us all these years. And then for us to not uh, actually have that time to, you know, learn about each other, right? And so when I felt that he went to jail, I felt like it was a loss for me. Like I'm losing him again, right? So it was emotional. But that was short-lived, y'all, because I, I had to go to school. I had to graduate, right? So I had to uh, suck that emotional up, emotion up, and I got his stuff. And I lived my life to the fullest. I was like, yeah, it's time to do what I need to do. So 
I went back to school. Okay, so me feeling like I took a loss when he um, went to jail and me having to move on. So I definitely moved on. I think I flourished. So it's not just moving on. It was flourishing. I lived in that apartment for an entire year. And so I had a whole year to develop and get to know who I wanted to be and have a ton of different experiences um, for myself. And like, mind you, like, mind you, (laughs) I'll remind you that I was an 18 year old, 19 year old girl, about 19 at that age. And so at that point of my life, I'm just exploring and getting to know myself. I had ended a relation, a long-term relationship that was like in and out that was very toxic that I realized. And I guess I got to talk about like why that was so toxic and where it stemmed from, but that is a whole complete episode in itself. And so I ended a relationship and I was kind of exploring who I was. And so I had another person my sister came up to the college with me my friends were there um at that phase of my life and I was like I was pretty much set you know and then I had met a lot of friends at that phase of my life too and then I started hanging out with a different crowd and at this point I was like actually loving my life I was loving the experiences that I was having and some of my emotional um baggage you know, didn't show. And so I wasn't really previous to it because I was the only, I was only focusing on school, right? So nothing else mattered. And I pretty much had it under control because I wasn't really thinking about external things. I was only thinking about college. Fast forward when my dad got out of jail, I had decided to move in with a roommate to make things more affordable for both of us. And I had knew her for so long. I was just like, oh, it's cool. We could stay together. I did not expect for me to have said yes to live with my dad and her and her brother. And that within itself was definitely an experience. And so the emotional trauma started to come back up. You know, things that I definitely did not expect they came back up. And so the year prior, I was really learning who I was. So my identity was being shaped and formed and remolded by myself. But then in this point, I was so I was so close to my dad and all of his trauma and what was going on with him that it slowly started to impact me on a level that I just could not break away from. And what I've noticed is that anytime I was close, it would be a... a a thing where it prevented me from growing, right? We all have relationships that prevent us from growing. I'll just be frank. My dad and being closely connected with him prevented my growth. And what it brought up was a lot of trauma that needed to come up for me to see that being so close to him and for him not to go through what he needed to go through. I'm not saying that there was no good times because even when I was in college, there were really good times he that there's videos of this actually like he was helping me study for my sign language and he actually per he was in a video that I created for my sign language class where he was the store clerk and he was signing and then dancing so there is in pieces of this good things right 
there were definitely some good times, right? We went out to lunch. We we played pool. Um, so throughout my college experience, we definitely, I tried to shape it, right, to make it more positive than negative. I included him in a lot of the things that were going on that was so positive in my life. Like, I was around, I got invited to the barbecue with doctors. They were all psychologists or doctors in some form or facet. And I was invited, y'all. So I was like super happy, right? I brought, you know, my dessert or whatever. I don't know what I got, but I had bought something for the cookout. But I was invited by my mentor and she was um, a psychologist and I was super happy because I was like, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm headed to, right? So I was on a really good path. And I invited my dad so that he could see and notice that I'm not out here goofing around. Like, I'm on my business. I'm doing the things that I need to do. And so I I invited him onto the college campus to kind of be aware of what I'm doing. And at this time, like I told you, I'm going through this identity shaping, right? And so some of the people that I'm around at this phase of my life, I'm kind of feeling out like, oh, maybe you're a good person to hang out with. Maybe you are not. Stay away from them. And so I'm kind of going through different friends and changing, definitely changing circles super fast. And I think he was very judgmental at a lot of different events that I took him to. And he just wasn't in a space to just be appreciative, at least from what I've noticed. I don't think that he fully was grasping the concept that my daughter is amongst these doctors and has a chance of becoming a doctor herself, just being in an environment with doctors. Because when you are in a certain environment, you want to be influenced by these people, right? And eventually somebody's going to say something to you and you're going to be like, oh, I can do that too. And so I was on a track to be a doctor and a not an MD doctor, but more so into a psychologist. And so I was battling with the internal turmoil. And I didn't know this because I, like I said, I suppressed a lot of the stuff that was going on or the, a lot of the thoughts. And I was just pushing that away from me so much that in hindsight, now that I look back on it, I'm like, hmm, I had internal issues that prevented me from staying in that space because I did not let go of the past. And the past was the relationship that was rocky with my dad. I wasn't able to fully enjoy the experiences because the emotional baggage that I was still holding on to at that moment while trying to be present in a different moment, right? So it was kind of confusing for me. But when I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, I was confused. I wanted to move forward with my life, but I had a fright. I had a fear. I had confusion. I had a lot of issues that was going on based off me being closely connected to another person who have yet to deal with their own issues and trauma. And it prevented me moving forward because I too took it on for myself and said this is mine this emotional trauma is mine and so it didn't allow me to look forward now that I tell you this on this podcast it's like whoa that's a lot but it takes it takes looking back at situations kind of like wow what opportunities did I have 
what opportunities did I lose? So my dad's relationship was both positive and negative because in the early years, I got to see a man that was like more structured. A lot of things didn't, I didn't see. I didn't see him having a habit. So later, the reason why I said that he had a lot of issues, emotional issues that he did not deal with and it was pulling me back or having me stay stagnant is because I've noticed that he had a problem with drinking. And I told him, we sat in the seats together. I would literally um, go to class, do my schoolwork, and then attend the AA meeting with him. And I would sit there and I would listen to all the information that I could to really just understand. And as I was studying psychology, I was really understanding how the brain works. And your brain basically changing itself when you feel certain things, certain stimulations. And for him to have coped with that original situation where he asked me to stay with him and I said, I choose safety, I I choose my brother, I choose to stay here, that switched in him. And from that situation, his emotional connection of being told, I don't want nothing to do with you. It triggered something to say, because my mom told him, your daughter will never love you, right? And so now when I listen to my dad and his outburst, when he's really emotional and he wants to express himself throughout his emotions, I'm listening to certain words that he's using. And one thing he's using is, I abandoned him. I don't want to be around him. The neglect. And so some of it is, it's not me right? I didn't abandon him. I didn't neglect him. Those are things that happened and and set itself within him way before because a child cannot abandon and neglect their father or their mom. You are my parent. So I didn't do those things. His parents did these things to him. And the moment that I said that I did not want to stay with him because I chose my safety, I chose what I knew, I chose my brother and my family and security, that translated to him is that I don't choose him. I'm not protecting him. I'm not thinking about his needs. And as I thought about this, I'm like, wow, that is a really selfish thought to have when you're thinking about your child not protecting you when I wasn't asked to be brought here, right? You and my mom decided to have me and whatever issues that y'all had prior to me, you had. But when I got here, you had a responsibility to do. And so as adult grown-minded me explain these things, it doesn't get through all the time. But that initial um, point when I told them, I don't want to live with him. I can't. I need to know him first. This has started that whole long journey for me to get closer and get to know my dad upon the years that were lacking, not due to his fault, but due to my mom's movement of me from place to place to place and then entering into foster care. And so the disconnect was, um, I guess, situational as well. But um, not being able to get to know and develop a relationship over those crucial years allowed me to search 
and and work hard to building it up. But what I was doing is not realizing that he too had to help, but he had to go through what was actually causing the problem as well, which was his prior issues before even having me. But then what me telling him that I didn't want to stay with him, what that did to him emotionally and psychologically and how it brought up his trauma from previous situations. And so the impact of this emotionally on myself is to know that I have a duality type of relationship with my dad. I have a both positive and negative relationship because I seen the positive aspects of my dad. I seen his personality all throughout. So at in in childhood, adolescence, early adulthood, I seen who my dad could be, his potential personality when he's not drinking, when he's not doing emotional outbursts. I am a I, I'm how do I say this respectfully, I guess. I am a person who is drawn to her dad, even though I know that there's going to be limitations. And I think a lot of us that know our dads in a certain way, other than the trauma, it draws us closer because we know the potential that our our dads have, but yet their trauma is limiting who they can grow into being. And so... It impacts me emotionally because I'm like, you have the ability to be great. And for me, it's like, I feel like you're choosing not not to be great. You're choosing it. And I'm like, "Mm." with alcoholism, it's not so much of a choice. It's a brain disassociation. And then you got to go back into addiction in itself had to do a little bit of research for myself and to understand the process that the the mind works differently with addiction. And I'm like, but I said in the AA meetings and I'm pulled emotionally because I want the relationship with my dad and he wants the relationship with me and we want to kind of understand each other and fix it. But what happens is We go back to, and we both do this sometimes, we go back to this initial emotional tie that separated us, that could have brought us together, but it divided us that instant, which is his emotional feeling of being abandoned and hurt. And my emotional um, issues of, you could have worked harder. You could have learned more about me. You you don't understand what I was like emotionally going through, losing my family. You couldn't connect with my story. We had so many years apart that you didn't know me and I didn't know you. And that could have been the time that we spent getting to know each other. But I think that was also the initial point where his drinking got out of hand as well because he didn't have the opportunity to create that relationship and that bond with me anymore due to circumstances that maybe were 
um, un, un, I guess, <laughs> unforeseen, right? He didn't know that it was going to happen that way. So my impact of my relationship with my dad is very emotional. And even to this present day, right, our interactions are short or obsolete because I am in the part of my life of healing. I've been on this healing journey for quite some time. And I talk to I talk to my therapist weekly about relationships with people. And the reason why I go in depth about the relationship that I have with people so much is because number one the early relationships that I had, an early understanding of life and the way that it was structured for me was torn apart, right? So I am reconstructing what I want for my life and my children's lives. And it means to get rid of all of these ideas of what could be, should be, what was, and just be in a space of what is. I know that my dad is in a state of who he is. I am in a state of learning, because I'm still young, who I wish to be when I'm 35, 40, and 50, and what I want my children to see or don't see and be connected to or how to deal with their pain and deal with their trauma because being closely connected to someone I'll tell you this sometimes their negative habits becomes your negative habits if you don't check it so he could have had a a negative impact on me where I could have gave up and and lost interest in school. I could have went in a completely different um, direction. But I chose to stay strong. I had to go through my emotional um, outburst with him and explain how I felt. And that took courage, y'all. That took a lot of courage to explain over and over again why I feel a certain way but I I don't think that I kind of gave the impression of I understand how he feels but I do I get the whole dynamic of the picture of him him being emotional for me to say that I don't want to stay with him and I get that but now it's Where do we go from here? Because I know that the relationships that I have with other people, other guys, other other women, is impacted on my emotional ability to understand, sorry y'all, myself and the relationships that I have around with other people. And that's the importance of me talking to my therapist about relationships. Because... 
we have relationships with ourselves based off relationships that other people like our parents have with themselves. And then we're looking at how they interact with the world and other people. And we then take that too. And so I'm clearing out the relationships that I have with myself and I'm choosing behaviors that's a little bit more healthy for me, right? I'm choosing behaviors that go against what my mom or my dad chose for themselves. So there was a point in being completely transparent. I almost drowned myself in alcohol to self-soothe and self-medicate and to cope with the emotional trauma that I had. Just trying to feel better and I realized that that lifestyle was not for me. And I couldn't handle my issues the same way that my dad or my mom handled their issues. Because if I wanted a different result, which I did, I needed to do something differently, which I did. And I'm still doing. So I limit myself now until, and this goes with anyone, I limit the access that people have to me until... I can accept them for being who they are and giving them a piece of me, but not so much access to me that it throws me off emotionally and starts to affect my life because of my interaction with them. But I slowly have distanced myself away from all people who affect me emotionally because they are affected themselves emotionally. So, that's it. (laughs) That was a lot. And honestly, when I do these podcasts, a lot of the times I, like this was an episode that I basically free talked. I thought about what I wanted to say. Um, a little bit throughout the week, but I wasn't really clear as to what direction I wanted to go into. But I did talk to my therapist about the duality that I face because I know both sides of my dad. I know his good side of him being family oriented. We live in a two parent household. It was structured for me. And then the complete opposite of that in him not having the understanding that as a 12-year-old girl, I had to choose and make a very difficult decision in my life. And it impacted our relationship so drastically. But prior to this, I had no um, responsibility in terms of us interacting and getting to know each other and the development of our relationship. That was him and my mom responsibility to take and make sure that we developed a healthy relationship. It just was what it was. And so a lot of the times, like I said, these podcasts are kind of just going through it and looking at what really emotionally impacted me and what was going on. And so I didn't really have a direction with this podcast. Um, What came up came out. And yeah, if you 
ah, this is my sign of relief right now because these podcast episodes, a lot of them are like a way to kind of hear what I have gone through and a way to release, a way to release what I am currently feeling and what I have gone through and what I have felt that I slowly need to get over and release and let go. But if if you like this podcast and you thought this was helpful for you to kind of hear me go through my understanding of my dad's relationship and how it impacted me and you know some of the dynamics of like lessons that I've learned then yeah share it and let me know your thoughts because we are impacted by our parents and we can either repeat the same things that they're doing or we can choose something completely different and say that while it happened to them and it's their story it does not have to be mine so i leave you with that and if this brings up any emotional turmoil within yourself I ask you to go talk to someone and share your thoughts with them and just freely speak about what might be coming up for you. Anger, sadness, guilt, whatever comes up. And I know that I'm leaving so much more on a table that needs to be discussed because I too went through the guilt, the um issues of like abandonment and you know other emotional things that came up that I might write something on or something like that so it doesn't you know get too lengthy but all these things that I felt that I'm slowly saying that it's okay to have gone through these feelings but now it's okay to move out of these feelings and get into a better space and it's okay for me to now be selfish and for you to not answer the phone when someone calls you and they're emotionally going to trigger you. Don't do it. So now I have a self-talk. I have a conversation. I'm good. I'm, I'm calm. I'm collected and I don't need to answer this phone call. I'm good. I'm calm. I'm collected and I don't need to answer this phone call. And then I take a breath to breathe and relax and say, see, I told you. But don't give access to people. Revoke their access to you. And live the life that you wish. Think about what makes you happy. And at some point, be a little selfish. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And we'll talk next podcast next week.